Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most electrifying, must-listen-to podcast in sports entertainment. Damien, Damien, no, no. No? Allow me. Allow you. Allow me. Oh, boy. Is that, is that all right? Uh, all right. Hey, take it away. Take it away. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most electrifying podcast in sports entertainment. Welcome to... F-F-C. Joining alongside me, as always, is lover of solidarity, Ford Pintos, and Citra Hops, Damien Ellinghouse. Damien, how you doing? I feel weird. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Look at Ryan taking the reins over here. Look at you. I see you over there. Look at this, like the Hardy Brothers all over again. Going to fucking business for yourself over here, guy. Pulling the old uh, Panama sunrise on you. Uh, <laughs> all right, great job. <laughs> well, we have a special episode, Damien. We do. We do. Uh, we want to thank everybody, before we start, for sticking around with us for the last couple weeks. Uh, it certainly hasn't been easy, easy for us, and certainly hasn't been easy for you, but we tried to bring uh, some... Good recordings along the way. We had uh, our New Japan review last week of the uh, NJPW Cup and uh, the Dominion Show. And we talked about how evil is a bastard man. Uh, we talked about Fight for the Fallen. We fought, talked about the Great American Bash. And we were happy to be joined by Bryce Donman. But we have a special guest this week. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to have us joining today the four-time New York Wrestling Connection Tag Team Champion and your two-time reigning, defending New York Wrestling Connection Heavyweight Champion, Rex Lawless. Yes, that's right. Oh, what do we got here? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. look at that. Look at all that gold. I should have been more prepared, but I just ran and got it. There we go. <laughs> oh, look this, at it. it it's look so beautiful. What it's a so beautiful, beautiful, beautiful belt. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. With us today, the pectoral <sighs> Poseidon, the desolate one himself. A man who knows about the importance of closing. And John Silver's little brother, Rex Lawless, is here with oh, us wow. today. <laughs> Yes, sir. How are you doing, Rex? So happy to have you. Thank you for having me, guys. Happy to be here. That that was going way back. You got all the gimmicks in there. Oh, don't worry. We're we're gonna go. <laughs> I mean, listen, we got a lot to work with. Uh, Rex is a veteran of over three hundred matches. He's worked damn near every promotion from Beyond to Create a Pro, New York Wrestling Connection to Shikara, and more. And he has had great success in the path past as both a singles wrestler and in tag teams, like Ryan said four-time New York Wrestling Connection champion, two-time and current heavyweight New York Wrestling Connection champion. He's won champions with Blake Morris, as flawless as Lawless, Dickie Rhodes, Rods, Dickie Rods, Rods. Dickie Rods, yeah, and yeah, ECW yeah. legend himself, Mikey Whipwreck as the Order of the Black, and, of course, with Mike Verna as the Closers. And, yeah. as, as a little bit of research showed me, you are a Grand Slam champion, in NYWC. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. That That's where I started, wrestled uh, the longest time, and, yeah, held every title there. 
it's in, in you're a veteran of over 10 years i believe yeah stage minus minus some injury time yeah it's over 10 years now been around for a while um uh, Rex has been able to work with the likes of Alex Reynolds and John Silver, now currently in AEW as members of the Dark Order, Trevor Murdoch, Orange Cassidy, and Fire Ant, uh, Billy Gunn, MJF, and good personal friends, and the first guest that we had on here, Bryce Donovan of the Shook Crew. That's true. I just, uh, I just saw those guys yesterday. I went to hang out at the uh, Beyond Wrestling Show at Atlantic City. Got to watch Max Caster versus Alley Cat and hang out with the ship crew, see some old friends again. It was really cool to see. And my girlfriend, Willow Nightingale, wrestled Pinky Sanchez, had an awesome match. It's good to see independent. To yes, it's good to see independent wrestling starting to uh, pick up again a little bit safely, of course. Absolutely. And you perfectly segued into our first question. Uh, I was gonna, we were gonna ask about uh, the Beyond event because, so myself, I've actually never been to a live wrestling event, lifelong fan though I am. Really? Uh, yeah, um, makes me feel, and probably am a little bit of a poser, but you know, we do our <laughs> best. We were supposed to go to the Blood and Guts AEW match that was gonna be held at the Prudential Center on March 25th. And we were gonna get tickets to the New Japan Wrestling Dominion show, but uh, you know, then the plague happened and here we are. Uh, yeah, it's uh, unfortunate. It truly is. But what was it like getting to a wrestling event uh, in these times? What was that like? Well, it was good to see. You had to wear a mask. They were very strict on that. If you didn't have a mask on, they would have asked you to leave. But everybody, for the most part, listened. And uh, as long as everything is safe, precautions, it seems like out outdoors is the way to go more than anything as a safe way to do it. But it was really cool just to see wrestling fans and be a part of just standing in the crowd watching the show. And you forget now, since there's been so many empty arena shows going on, like you forget just how important the energy from the crowd is to a wrestling event and how much it adds to it. Even though, I mean, there was maybe a little over 100 people, give or take there, all spread out. What I was just seeing the crowd, the energy, like, Leo Rush, Janela. Janela jumped off a high pillar, you know, like he is one. I to saw do. that, man. Jesus. Just really, yeah, it was crazy. But uh, yeah, it's just good to see uh, wrestling starting back up again. Hopefully it continues. Hopefully there's no another force shut down, but it's unpredictable times right now. So, of course. Who knows? Well, do you think uh, indie wrestling can certainly benefit from driving shows moving forward and some outdoor shows with safe precautions? Yeah, and uh, my first match, my first show back is uh, in August. It's at a drive-through movie theater show, as well. It's a two-day like uh, drive-in uh, event where they're pairing matches and also showing wrestling movies. I think like Ready to Rumble and a couple other ones. That's awesome. So, where's that being located? That. That's in Pennsylvania. It's called Let's Not Hang Out. The promotion. Okay. I don't cool. know if you guys heard of it. Ultramantis Black runs it. And, uh, oh, they, okay. They just, they, yeah, they put together really fun shows. Uh, the past two years or so, I've been a part of them, and they've been like some of my favorite events to wrestle. There'll be a bunch uh, of old Chikara guys there. Ultramantis Black is a former um, Chikara champion, right? Yeah, former Grand Champion. Yeah. It's called the Real Rumble, August 14th and 15th. And it's at... Matter, Matterhorn Drive-In Theater. 
Manahunk, okay. Yeah, never heard of it. <laughs> but I think it's like uh, they, they run around um, the uh, Lehigh Valley area. Okay, very cool. And you said that's going to be your yeah. first show back? Yeah, first show back. That's got to be exciting, right? Get yourself all limber and loose for it. Yeah, the, the gym's just opened back up here in PA and Philly recently. So this is a pretty much like my third week back in a gym now after just trying to uh, do what I can without any weights or anything, just doing DDP yoga to try to stay in shape and there's some body weight stuff. I'm sure you, you guys know being in New York, they're still not open there yet. And we no. have no idea when too. I mean, supposedly yeah. we're in phase four, which way they were supposed to be opening again, but we have been given no indication. And honestly, like, who knows? Even if they did open, I'm sure you would have a lot of people saying like, yeah, let's wait a little bit longer. Honestly, living in New York City, like being in Queens and Astoria, um, the amount of people that I've seen not doing the right things, like at restaurants and and waiting outside in stores, I'm I'm good. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my yoga and free weights, and uh, yeah. you know we'll we'll get there when we get there. It seems like or like the gym so far. Every time I've been there, it's been empty. So it seems like a lot of people are still hesitant to go back, and I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people also realize, like, I could do this at home. I don't necessarily yeah. need a gym or you make their own gyms, you know? That's absolutely true. So before we continue taking this journey through your career, uh, I hope that Ryan prepped you that we drink on this podcast. And oh, so I remember. I remember, Ryan. Uh, we've had some old times back in the high school days. of. Uh, <laughs> we've had some, some drinking some, nights. Yes, I'm drinking our, ourselves. Excellent. So, tell us what you brought today. Well, this is America's first all-imperial brewing company. Oh, it's from Worcester, actually. Oh, it's good that I picked this, actually. Home of home of Beyond Wrestling, Uncharted Territory. Worcester, oh. Massachusetts. How, Dow Wow is the, is the brand? Dow Wow. The Pulp okay. Daddy. This, this caught my eye in the beer stores. I have never had it before. It's a so double it's a IPA double we got there? Ooh, yeah, okay. double dry hop for optimal juiciness, it says. Citrus, smooth, mouth feel, feel, feel this pulp. All right, <laughs> I don't even like pulp, but we'll see. <laughs> you always have the beer companies that, like, don't, they're not so great with words, and they don't know how to describe things in a way that, like, will make you want to buy it. Good, citrus, yeah. good mouth feel, citrus. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ryan? Miller Lite? Uh, not Miller Lite. Uh, I got a little little bit of an upgrade from Miller Lite. I have Grim. Grim Ale. Oh, okay. Grim One of my Ale. favorites. Uh, I have the Castling Farmhouse Pale Ale. And it's clocking in at 5.5 ABV. So a nice little uh, nice little guide to end the day correctly. Um, Grim's based out of Brooklyn. If you, well, I don't know if they're open now. But, you know, when when we go back to normal times, if we do. Uh, I'd recommend anybody to check out the brewery. It's really awesome. They got like a farmhouse seat like type of setup there, and they have like multiple stations to go try out some beer, and they're always rolling out new flavors every week. So go check it out. I think they might be open, and I am a little further out. So I've got from Upstate Brewing Company, I've got Roasted, which is a coffee brown ale. Now, what's interesting about this is it's a standard coffee brown ale, but it's a different bean in each batch. So they always brew it with different coffee beans. This is a 6.3%. And uh, Upstate's local, located in Elmira. 
Uh, me and my fiance took a trip to upstate a couple of weeks ago, went to see Niagara Falls, and we went on a big beer tour of just picking up beers as we run along. It's like a little hole in a wall off the side of the highway, but great beer, uh, very smooth. So as is tradition, we all crack and we will sip. Yeah, and by the way, this this one's eight percent. So, Ooh. oh, we're getting toasty today. <laughs> Slancha. Yeah, most of the you time the yesterday, as 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 I was watching the shows, I was I was drinking some White Claws with Bear Country, uh, hanging out with those guys. So, I wasn't feeling too good when I woke up today. <laughs> White Claws, little devils, man. Those, those bears just sneak yeah. up on you. Yeah, Ryan's uh, <laughs> Ryan's friend group. It really, really reps the claw. It is law. They're not bad. I don't mind them. <laughs> They're fine for what you need them for. Yeah. I don't feel bloated when I have them, but it's a trade-off because the next morning is definitely not easy. Yeah, especially because with the whole quarantine thing, I've actually been drinking less than normal before no. the bars being closed. So, that's yeah, my nice. tolerance just dropped. <laughs> couple claws to you right i had to scale it back because i was like oh it's probably not appropriate to uh drink every single day you probably cut it some of the time so all right ryan take us away yeah let's get rolling along here before we jump into your career i just wanted to ask you you made the big move from long island to philadelphia recently how's that been going for you well yeah we moved originally to go train at the wrestle factory um and we were we had plans of filming the action arcade show with Chikara, which was, that was the original plan. But of course, as we know, that did not work out, <laughs> which I had a feeling that it was a risk that, that you never know in wrestling, but I was, it was a risk I was willing to take to try to further my career and just have a change of scenery, different place to train. Like I've been, I was wrestling with Chikara for three years or so even before we made the move. So yeah, yeah, me and my girlfriend moved out here and um, we like it. We like the area. Coming from Long Island is more, uh, it's more laid back, some suburb area to now we're in West Philadelphia city, but I'm, I enjoy the city lifestyle. So, and we found a new place to train. We train at the Worldwide Dojo right now with Ring of Honor's Cheeseburger and um, Sumi nice. Sakai. So we've known them for a while too. So I think in the end could end up working out a little bit better than it's not what we originally came here for, but we're going to try to make it work. So we're going to, we're going to stick around over here and see what happens. That's great, man. I love Philadelphia personally. I've been there like at least five times. And every time I go there, exactly what you said, everything's laid back. I mean, when you, mm -hmm. when you leave Long Island, pretty much anywhere is laid back than here, but yeah. Especially Philly, though. Philly, you know, it just has a nice open, like, airiness quality to it. There's, like, a bar, like, on almost every street, especially in the college districts. Yeah. Food is amazing. Yep. Have you, uh, yeah, we didn't you get to the do... Yeah, well, just, just from our little local area, you know, just some little local shops over here, got a few cheesesteaks. I'm, I'm a big, I've always been a big cheesesteak fan, though. But before we moved out here, I had the Geno's and Pat's ones, which are very good. Of course, the the tourist cheesesteaks yeah. that everybody loves. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love the I love Wawa as well. <laughs> like in New York, we don't have those. So coming here, having Wawa is is a great 
option after shows and everything. When you're on better than expected. <laughs> it's like it was yeah. much better than I expected. I remember I went to visit a buddy of mine a few years ago. We went to Wawa at like two in the morning, and I was expecting bottom tier Seven Eleven taquitos quality shit. And I got to tell you, their sandwich interface. I got a lot of respect for that. It's very customizable, yep. and the food was a lot better than I expected it to be. Yeah, it's not bad at all. But like, I, I wish they had it in New York. Whenever I would travel for wrestling shows, when I was still living in New York at a state, I'd get excited. I'd be like, oh yes, I get to get the Wawa now <laughs> after the show. I've I've honestly heard nothing but great things about Wawa. We got Sonic and Dairy Queen in the last couple of years, so maybe uh, down the road we'll get a Wawa too. Lucky us. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing about <laughs> over here. It, in our neighborhood, there's not much fast food, which I'm, in Long Island, I'm really used to just, there, it, there's so much. Like, like you could drive just like, like they have just like every option, like all in a row like on Sunrise Highway, for example, or whatever. <laughs> but I miss that a little bit. I remember yeah. more than one night uh, leaving F and Groovin uh, when yeah. it was still a bar worth frequenting. Uh, and just not knowing where the fuck I was, because I live in Long Beach. I was like, I don't know what's around here. So we just randomly went on Merrick. And like you said, it's like the fast food mecca of the world. It's like you're yeah, driving through rural Mississippi. Much. I mean, I shouldn't really probably be eating it too much, but I can't, I can't help it. <laughs> Listen, body pays the bills. Gotta, gotta keep it fueled up somehow, right? <laughs> That's right. Hey, it's uh, quick, quick calories, high protein. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so how have you been dealing with the quarantine? Uh, obviously, everything being shut down. Yeah, to tell you the truth, I, in the beginning, it was a little bit of adjustment. Like when everything was like really shut down in the beginning and you you really couldn't go anywhere or do much. Like That took a, a little adjustment period. But I mean, as I don't mind it, to tell you the truth. Like I don't mind staying inside too much. I'm just relaxing, playing video games and keeping to myself. Like, I mean, I do, I miss certain things. I miss, like I said, the bars and of course, just normalcy of the wrestling shows and training and the gym. But other than that, I haven't minded too much. <laughs> just, just chilling. Uh, now I, I got a job testing video games from home right before it happened. So that I lucked into that. <laughs> Flawless segue into the next question. Uh, because. Like you said, if there's one thing quarantine has given us, it is nothing but time. Just endless, limitless, harrowing expanses of time. And in that time, it's not just your body's limits you've been testing, but video games as well. So tell me, how did you break into the field? Like, where have you been a lifelong gamer and you just, an opportunity came your way? Yeah, li lifelong gamer. Just from, from the NES on, pretty much, I got, I've, every every system throughout childhood to now and uh, just i yeah i just always sunk so much time into video games throughout my life just rpgs like final fantasy big fan of metal gear solid series uh, the uncharted series things like that but like through every generation i've always been a gamer and yeah that kind of lucked into the job because uh, there was a wrestling fan who just put something out on Facebook that they were looking for game testers and me and my girlfriend just just moved to Philly. We were both looking for jobs. We both kind of came here just like really with 
no no jobs or anything <laughs> like just like oh, the plan was all right we'll get here and figure it out kind of thing mm -hmm. and luckily everything fell into place and i uh, i just i respond we messaged the guy on facebook and said hey like i'd love to do that and yeah i went in for an interview it was really cool just reminded me of grandma's boy a little bit <laughs> kind of just like walk, walking into the office and seeing all the video game stuff everywhere and they have like arcade cabinets in the break room and just all this cool stuff i was like oh man this is awesome like that and yeah i did the interview just i pretty much just got the job from being a lifelong video game fan you didn't need any experience going in and pretty much just explain the job it's just yeah testing video games trying to find the bugs and we go into a discord with the developers themselves and then you play it report to them and they pretty much kind of fix it on the fly and then update up upload new builds and we just keep going with that process and the games are good too good like 16-bit style uh like uh -huh. snes era genesis style games I, I think I always envisioned it a little bit as being like you were in Ready Player One, where like you couldn't get the job unless you could beat all of Adventure in under an hour or something. Uh, so, and, and I'm curious. So, has it all been exclusively like kind of retro style stuff? Have you tested any like larger AAA titles or anything? Uh, no, it, it's all. So the company I work for is called Screenwave Media. And it's they do YouTube stuff too. I don't know if you guys ever heard of the Angry Video Game Nerd, like Cinemassacre oh, yeah. YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. like that's that's them too. It's it's a lot of those guys. It's it's kind of mm -hmm. it's their publishing company, and uh, yeah, they they work with um, third party independent game designers, and so we're the publisher, and so yeah, it's all mostly indie indie games retro style. I haven't done any AAA, all right? I, it seems like that would be really hard to test. You need a big team for that. Yeah, I'm so, sure. It's just me. It's just me and another guy. There's two two guys doing it. That's very cool. Have any? Have you uh, tested any of like the more popular indie games that have come out recently? Anything that got any traction? Um, that you're allowed well, to speak about. One of them is Eagle Island. I'm not sure. They're they're all on Steam for the most part. But Eagle Island seems to be, it was one of the more complicated ones we've been testing. It's really fun platforming, uh, like rogue-like rogue, rogue uh, -like dungeon crawler type game. But it's very well done. And it, it's, it's made a lot of strides just uh, since we started testing it until now. The way that he's been kind of updating everything and tweaking everything. And it's come a long way. So if you want to look out for that one, Eagle Island should be out there soon. And th then we've been doing the Angry Video Game Nerd um game based on the youtube series which is just really hard on purpose like they but it, it's also very very well done yeah because they take they take a lot of references from the show and things that he complains about and just made it into the game <laughs> <laughs> almost like, you, uh, like i want you to break it situation yeah yeah pretty much exactly. i'm a little curious because yeah. you mentioned like retro platform or stuff like that have you tried out battle kid no, I have not. Battle Kid? Yeah, I played it like a decade ago. It's it, it's a uh, homebrew video game for uh, NES. But uh, it's just like, if you want like an old school platformer like that, I'd recommend to check it out. Yeah, so I'm all about that stuff. Yeah, I've been just, um, I've been trying to go through my old collection. I, I, pretty, I, I kept everything. So I have like from the original Nintendo 
on pretty much and I'm trying to clean them up and see if they still work and test them out and try to make like a little area in my apartment where it's just old old school classic games. So I've been working on that during the quarantine to you know help pass the time a little bit too. That's very cool. And it this is always like a little bit of an impossible question because it's like trying to pick who's your favorite kid. But like what are some of your favorite games of all time? I know you mentioned Metal Gear system, you mentioned some old JRPGs. Do you have any like particular uh, franchises or games that are on your top three? Yeah, I'd say Final Fantasy VII. It's like a go-to for a lot of people, but that really was one of my favorite games of all time. And now the remake just came out, and I think that they did a very good job with it. Got got some mixed reviews, but just the nostalgia feeling and seeing the like one of my favorite games with completely updated graphics was really cool. I played through that and beat it. And now they're going to release the rest of it in parts. So I'm looking forward to that when it comes out. But yeah, like Metal Gear Solid series was always my favorite. Even though like Metal Gear Solid 2 is probably my favorite one. A lot of people say it's just like it's all over the place. It's very mm-hmm. weird Jap- Japanese, uh, just like craziness. But that's what I, I like too. And then I, I play NHL every year. Big hockey fan. I've been playing NHL pretty much religiously. Like since like I don't even know like early two thousands <laughs> and I just get right. that game every year. Yeah, I th- I but think I the one that Ryan's I put the a big Islander fan. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, I am. <laughs> I like yeah. the fucking troll over here. You're outnumbered our- <laughs> here. <laughs> You'll be happy to know that Damien is a proud Ranger fan, and oh, hopefully the like to hear. <laughs> hopefully the I- world will burn and we can have our matchup of. Uh, of glory on Wednesday night. First time hockey will be back since March. Oh, I can't wait. It's gonna be big amazing. time hockey. Uh, I think yeah. the most, I think the game I put the most time into NHL wise was either 07 or 08. Uh, because I made I like went through five seasons on the Penguins and racked up like 250 points a season <laughs> and was on the third line while fucking Chris Kunitz was ahead of me. <laughs> so I don't Chris know what we're fucking doing. <laughs> Well, he was he was a playoff performer though, Chris Kunitz. I'll give him that. Matt, <laughs> he was. He he was like one of those really, you know, just on the wing of an all-time great, and all of a sudden you're yeah. a perennial all-star. Nice. Um, I've been putting a lot of hours in. Most was uh, 01 with uh, Owen Nolan on the cover. I think that was when he was on the Sharks. Wow, Owen Nolan. They gave him the cover. That's that's yeah. kind of weird. <laughs> that's like obscure. If you think the only about thing it. he's earned in, in his career. <laughs> or uh, 03 with Jerome and Ginla on it, too. That was a good one. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, God bless. But Ginla was the man back in the day. Yes, that, Flames That 03 series is absolutely legendary against the Lightning when it went to, like, triple overtime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was some good series, early 2000s. Like, I like the when the Ducks had that had that great run. I think they ended up losing in the finals, but Jaguar, like, played out of his mind in that oh, series. Yeah. There's a name I haven't heard. Yeah, J.S. Uger. <laughs> was that the series when they swept the Red Wings in like the first round? I think so. I forgot. I, I can't even remember who they played in the final. It might have been. It might have been New Jersey. Yeah, it was the Devils. They, they ended up losing to. Yeah, but I, I was just like that. That series pretty much got me back into hockey, just because just seeing like the Cinderella story of the Ducks. It reminded me of the movies and everything. <laughs> Team I... Solani, Paul Correa on the uh... same team legendary legendary duo timo really i he's probably my favorite player of all time uh 
one of the greatest wingers to ever do it. Just like watching him in his prime, how fucking fast he was. Yeah. Uh, and those two were a crazy, crazy duo. And he was honestly pretty consistent even until the end of his career. If you can be 42, 43 years old, putting up 40 points a season, like that's insane. Are you Yager? Yeah, you don't see it much. Yager too, but I mean, he can't keep up now, sadly. He, he wanted to keep going, but everybody's just too fast now. You got to call it quits at age 50. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm chicken, you know? All right. So, Rex, let's, uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's delve right into it. You oh, began <laughs> your humble beginnings at yeah. NYWC, New York Wrestling Connection. And to our unfamiliar listeners, it is Long Island's oldest and most successful professional wrestling school. NYWC I'd say is. So. In- yeah, and YWC has produced many dynamic wrestlers, including several that have been featured in WWE, TNA, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Some of their graduates include Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Trent Beretta, Mike Mondo, Tony Nese, your older brother's cohort in the Beaver Board, I'm sorry, excuse me, the Dark Order, John Silver and Alex Reynolds, and most recently Alex Coughlin, who is now training at the New Japan World Wrestling Dojo. Yeah, that so, kid is a freak. Yeah. It's good to see a Long Island boy over there in the dojo. Yeah. Is he at the LA dojo or the Tokyo dojo? Yeah, he's out LA. LA. He did a he did one of their paid tryouts and got picked from that and then just and they signed him to a contract to train in the dojo and uh yeah, he, he's just a freak athlete like it, pound for pound. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone stronger than him for for his body weight. The amount of strength he has is just like it's just a genetic freak. Like you don't see people like that too often. You know that name sounds surprised. really familiar. Um, was he on like a most recent episode of Lions Break Collision? The like he show is. they're running he out with. I think he wrestled uh, Filthy Tom. Or I don't know if that match aired yet, but if uh-huh. it hasn't aired yet, it's the next one. But yeah, no, he's all over the place. He was in. Pretty sure he did Wrestle Kingdom in one of those like six man matches where they had the LA dojo versus the the Japan dojo. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh boy, yeah, that, that poor bastard. Out. I mean, he's getting put through the paces with fucking Shibata and Goto. Yeah. God help him. <laughs> oh yeah, he was telling. He was just telling. He was telling me a little bit about their training and yeah. At this point, I don't know if I would be able to do. It. I mean, I would love to do it, but it's it sounds pretty rough. <laughs> Well, can you tell us about uh, how you started getting into uh, wrestling school? Did you dive right into it? Was it the decision that you've been thinking about all your life? Did you prep well, any any way for it? Well, as as you you remember, uh, towards the end of high school, early college years, I was playing in bands in the local Long Island band scene, and um, yeah, I mean, and then it, like I just started figuring. Like, I don't know, it seemed like it was kind of dying, my interest in music and was kind of like dying out a little bit. And I was just like, man, like I, I hated school, just like normal college and everything. So man, like, what do I do now? Like, I, just trying to figure out something, something that I could be passionate about and something that like a goal to just, to just work towards. So when it seemed like music wasn't really working out for me, I started looking in. I start, I remembered when I was about eight years old, the first thing I ever really wanted to be was a professional wrestler. 
I just I kind of lost it along the way of life. And, but then I was like, you know what? Like, that's something maybe I could do. So I started. I looked into wrestling schools in the area, and I I knew Zach Ryder like lived pretty much. He lived the town over from us. Like we're from Belmore. He's he was from Merrick. And he went to the local goals gym. So I started when I when I decided I wanted to join a wrestling school. I was like, all right, I gotta get in shape first. So I I signed up to the gym, just started. I was like, I gotta give myself a few months to get in shape before I even step foot in a wrestling school. I started working out there, and I ended up seeing him there too. And I was like, all right, I gotta go ask him. I gotta go ask him where he trained, or like, I gotta go introduce myself. So like, so like one day. I remember the exact day. He was on the leg extension machine. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to walk up to him. I'm going to ask him right now. And I walked up to him in the middle of his workout. I was like, oh, hello. Uh, I'm what a, you know, so-and-so. And I was thinking about joining a wrestling school. And I was just wondering where you trained and how to get into it. And so he, this was before he was really a name or anything. It's when he was doing kind of like velocity and just kind of like lost in the mix over there. So I, I could tell he was kind of like, happy that someone recognized him and and so he's like oh yeah and he he was very nice very nice guy he i, I just i remember in the locker room saying like my goal is to be a ring of honor one day <laughs> and he kind of looked at me and was like really that's it like what, what <laughs> i was like what do you, what do you mean like are you sure oh. <laughs> he's like i'm in the wwe I was like if like if i could do it like anybody could do it <laughs> and it kind of just like stuck with me I'm like really i could go to wwe <laughs> like it just it didn't even occur to me it just seemed like so far-fetched but yeah so like those like he kind of inspired me that it could be done and like he told me he trained at nywc so that's that's why it was the first school i looked into and then yeah it all went from there i went to like orientation type thing watched watched one of their training sessions met the owner who has become like one of my best friends the owner uh, over there shane o'neill and we we've been just working together and hanging out ever since and it's been awesome just yeah i started from scratch over there 19 years old and never missed a training uh, learned a lot from ne so tony niece and alex runnels john silver and all of them they they helped me out a lot they they really took the time out to explain everything to me and work with me in the ring and uh, yeah just yeah that's it kind of gained experience from there got wwe tryout like pretty early on when i probably wasn't ready <laughs> that's awesome can you actually uh tell us about that the process and how you got the call well yeah i think at that point i was training for about two two years two years or so and i heard that there was there's was a recruit page that they had back then where you post the match you post a little profile of yourself and I, I just came off of having like one of my best matches early on against a Alex Reynolds. It was kind of the first time where it, it really clicked for me in the ring. And it was just like, everybody loved it. Like I got to the back, like, oh, that was awesome. And we had the crowd, uh, falsies, this is awesome chance. And it was like the first time I ever experienced like a match like that. So then I was like, all right, I have this good match now. I'll, I'll send that in. I wrote up a little profile for myself. And I did, and then I just kept like I just kept going, just kept training, and doing the NYWC monthly shows and everything. And then just one day at work, I was working at UPS at the time, 
like as I pulled into the parking lot, I sat down and looked at my phone, and there was an email from WWE in my phone. I said, "What?" I was like, "No, this can't be true." And I, then I clicked it, opened it up, and it was an invite to the last. It actually ended up being the last ever FCW tryout in Tampa before they switched to NXT. So, yeah, like, and then I just remember thinking, like, "Oh, this is it." <laughs> like, like I'm quitting today. Like I'm going in there. Like yeah, screw this. Like, <laughs> but, but, yeah, packages I, was, up that. I was just so excited. Yeah, I get uh, the packages were probably unloaded extra fast that day <laughs> for UBS. <laughs> but yeah, and then like I pretty much like they called me too, and I just like remember when the the lady called me to to really get all the logistics down and everything. Just like hanging up the phone, and just like running around my house, like yeah, like telling my mom, like I'm going to Tampa, I'm going to WWE, <laughs> and yeah, but that was it. Like it was crazy. It was kind of surreal. They don't do it that way anymore. Like you don't actually talk on the phone to the people anymore. It's all through email, and and but that was kind of like the last. I got kind of got the last look into before everything changed to the PC and what it is now. I went to the Tampa building over there and did that, did that the last tryout with Bill DeMont was the head trainer. Like he just, it was just when he got rehired and that, that Sammy Zayn was there as he was El Generico, uh, Jimmy Jacobs, Sasha Banks, uh, Scott Dawson from the revival, Elias, um, trying to think who else. Matt Taven actually was there too. Oh, uh, some company. Oh, you know, RJ City too. Surprisingly, he's he's kind of a name right now. He's oh, a recent uh, Randy Orton feuder, RJ City. Yeah, <laughs> like he he killed. I thought he killed it at that tryout. I'm surprised they didn't pick him up at that time. But yeah, it was a stacked stacked tryout. Sarah Del Rey was there too, and I was just I was just a 23 year old kid, two two years in, just like barely any experience other than doing the monthly NYWC shows. And I just felt just like, like, I mean, I was hanging with them, but you could tell like I needed some polish definitely. So yeah. once that tryout was over, then I really started emailing promotions and I, it made me realize, all right, I got to start traveling. Like I can't just stay in one spot. And that's when I started, you know, that's when I met Drew Cordero from beyond after that. And just me just traveling anywhere I could like CZW. I went to, and um, just anywhere in the Northeast or anywhere that I could get to in a recent, in, I mean, in a, you know, in, in driving distance, that's reasonable. If you want to call, you know, 10 hour drive, sometimes reasonable, but perfectly. But yeah. Just, just did what, what it took to work hard and get my name out there. Yeah. Well, that's great, man, because people could use that experience and get this courage and being like, you know, well, WWE is the end all be all. So it's like, where the hell do I go from now? But the, the fact that you took that and just use it as creative energy to fuel your drive moving forward and realizing like, you know, I had to get out of the, the island area and start promoting myself in a way. But I mean, if it's any consolidation, you train alongside with Sami Zayn. It took him another four years to realize that, hey, we have to yeah. find these guys. So. And he's still not a fucking world champion. So who gives a shit anyway? <laughs> For fuck's sake. Uh, no, and, and I, I think Ryan's hit it right on the head, which is like that thought that WWE is the be-all, end-all. And, and don't get me wrong, in 2012, by that point, you know, impacts greatly diminished. 
Ring of Honor was already kind of not as big as when it first started. Same thing with PWG. So for a lot of people, WWE was the only thing, but it, it is really good that you were able to use that experience and just make yourself become better as a result of it. And I think that your career has shown that. I think that you've worked all over the place and you can really see it in how you move around the ring because I, you know, I think you've got this really great big man move set. I love that like pop-up choke bomb that you use as your finisher. You got a great big Thank boot. You. So like sometimes people don't realize that it really, it takes a little bit of, of polish and you just, you know, prayers and vitamins. Hulk was right. Yeah. You know, Hulk did. I, I guess he was right the whole time. Um, but it is really great uh, to know that, you know, it it inspired you enough to to continue pressing on. And now here you are, prime of your career, just as the world ends. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wrestling has always been ups and downs, and every my career has has it seems like it's been. You know, anytime I'd pick up a little bit of momentum, it's kind of got stopped, sadly, like where I would get an injury at a, at a bad time or just as things, you know, pick up global pandemic starts. <laughs> but but it, that's just wrestling and you just got to keep going. And for some people, for every MJF, you know, <laughs> where you're just like a 22-year-old, 23-year-old prodigy already on TV, there's you know hundreds and hundreds of journeyman guys that it takes mm -hmm. it takes some it takes a long time it's just not not everybody gets that break right away and you understand then as you go on what what you have to do everybody's different and it's all about the journey absolutely i mean christopher daniels it has like the most eyes on him that he's ever had and he's 45 years old and he's not even yeah. the centerpiece of his faction anymore. So you're 100% right. For every MJF, there's an Angelo Dawkins that it just took a really long time for something for them to get there. And when they get there, they run with it. Dawkins was at that tryout too, actually. <laughs> the, the, one, the one that I did. Yeah, I was so happy surprising. to see him like finally get a position in WWE because he was always like, you know, doing the stirring up the pot thing in the NXT and I was like, oh where's yeah. this gonna go? And now he's on one of the hottest tag teams. So yeah, he, he was he was uh he was one of the guys they just plucked out of college where he he came in with no ex wrestling experience at all. And he uh, yeah it took him some time but now uh, it paid off for him. So when you started out in, in NYWC did you have any like certain philosophy? Did you want to try to just take what what came to you? Did you want to be in a certain position? Uh I mean I just wanted to work hard and just be, just get on the shows, you know, like that's kind of how it is. Like when you first join a wrestling school, that's the goal where you gotta, you gotta work your way up to be good enough to first get put on your uh, home promotions, main shows. So like I, I did student show matches at first battle Royals. That's how you kind of, you kind of work your way up through those ranks so going in like i like i don't my favorite wrestlers growing up were always the high flyers were always the cruiserweights Rey mysterio aj styles like eddie guerrero like all the smaller guys really so like, i i never considered myself until until like yeah until i saw like like me compared to the other inter independent wrestlers like oh wait like i'm a big man like 
compared to a lot of indie wrestlers that are just there's not that many that are above six foot out there or above 200 pounds if, if they're even 200 pounds so when i first started like i'm like maybe you know six six two 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 fifty ish so yeah it took me a little while to realize like I, I could work as a big guy i don't have to do crazy flips or anything even though i try i try i, I try to <laughs> sprinkle them in there but that's just like my love of uh cruiserweights coming out you know but yeah um, nah. i i seem to recall and i might get corrected on this but i know that you and bryce donovan met like a few years back maybe at one of the beyond shows maybe at a cap show and i think i remember that the story he said was that you guys were either passing each other in the halls or you're in the ring or something and you were like hey are you you're pretty big do you do a big boot and he was like <laughs> yeah and you're like, sick. I do a big boot. Is that is that accurate? Is that true? Yeah, that sounds accurate. That sounds like something I would say. Listen, yeah. I mean, it's but it's a hundred percent right. You have a lot of guys that I feel like we put such an emphasis on like big guys that have to be able to move or smaller guys that are insanely strong. And of course, those are positives. The more athletic you are, the stronger you are, the faster you are. That all is going to make you a more interesting person in the ring. But sometimes people don't realize that if you are a certain size or if you have something, like play to your strengths. If you're a guy that's 6'3", 285, throw your weight around. If you happen to be able to pop out a dive, great. But, you know, for every Keith Lee, there's plenty of big shows that just, you know, just 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 punch the guy in the face and that's a big deal. And that's all you have to do. Yeah, it's all, it's all about finding what works for you, finding yourself which take like goes back to same thing it takes others longer than some but yeah that's it, it took me probably a little too long to figure out where like i i could dial it back and i, I didn't really need to be flying around and do, like because one of my my last knee injury came off of me doing a suicide dive to the outside of the ring my, my leg kind of got caught under itself and bent back and then I, I was out six months after that, and they required knee surgery. So I, things could just happen like that, where just you never know. So it, less is more sometimes. And it, the, the quicker you realize that, the better off you're going to be. 100%. And, uh, you know, obviously it's longevity matters. Because like you said, you know, injuries rack up, especially... It happens all the time with bigger guys. I mean, with anybody in wrestling, it is taxing and it's brutal. There's a reason guys like me cannot do it. We would we would die. Um, <laughs> but the longevity and all that shows because in your career, you've been in a Piper's Pit. You got Mr. Sockoed. Uh, yeah. So in your 10 plus years in the business, what has it been like working with some of these legends that you grew up watching? And alongside those uh are there any other moments in your career that you put on your own personal pedestal like what are some of your biggest moments yeah we, we could start teaming with mikey whipwreck was probably the first experience that i had with the legend that i watched when i was younger and he he really helped me out a lot like those i think i tagged with him for two years or more where we were just doing tag team matches together and then we got we worked with the beaver boys a lot and those matches really helped me just develop. And Mikey would literally coach me from the apron and just pass things along to me. And I think my, t my time with him 
definitely um, helped me. So I hold I hold those those moments early on very high in my career. And then yeah, the Piper's Pit that was really cool. They, I was just talking about that the other day with Cheeseburger, where that that promotion IWC. I would I would it's in Pittsburgh, and it, the way I got into there was Tony Nice pretty much just asked. He asked me if like I wanted to come al- come along. He pretty much you know he wanted me to drive him for the, you know for the most part be, be the <laughs> driver. Uh, and he's like, hey, if you if you do these drives with me, like I could get you on the show. Like I like, I I, you can't, I won't get you too much. Even though like at the time, fifty bucks that was probably more than I ever made. Like at that point, like just starting out. So he got me fifty bucks full trans, and I got to be on those shows with him. And I was like, that sounds like a good deal to me. I'll, okay. And I, we would do those drives once a month, eight hours back and forth and not stop. Like we wouldn't stay at a hotel or anything. We drive eight hours, do the show, get back in the car, drive eight hours back from Pittsburgh. And Jesus Christ. But, that, but, but they, they took care of me over there. Like I, I got, that's where I got to yeah, be Piper's pit. Where I, like I worked gold dust. I was in a rivalry with Elias before he was Elias. So that's where I met him. And he's a very, very nice guy. Very good to see uh, where his career went. And um, yeah, th- and I got to work the Steiner brothers there too in a tag team match. Nice. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yep. That's and, uh, cool. Yeah. And just like those, those trips, just traveling and getting the knowledge from, from Nice himself, that, that, is just like invaluable uh, experience that not many people could say that they they've gotten. So I've been lucky. Absolutely. That is yeah. a crazy list. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, you know, just as a light bulb wrestling fan, you know, hearing those surreal moments must've just absolutely swept you up, especially, you know, being in a legend segment with Piper in a Piper's pit, that must've been incredible. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah I, I don't even remember what he said. I just remember him <laughs> insulting. I remember him insulting me in some way, and then just like getting to the back, and I was like, "Oh, that was awesome! Did you hear what he said? He picked me out." And, and he said, I, I don't even remember what he said, but <laughs> I was just so happy that he insulted me. <laughs> but uh, before we move on, I just want to speak a little more um, about, like you know, surreal moments. How was it? You know, thinking back the first day training at nywc going from you know trainee to heavyweight champion i mean looking back at some of your list you fought title matches with just incredible eddie kingston uh you had two brother matches in the sense where you fought uh john silver and alex reynolds and then you fought your tag team partner blake morris can you uh can you just give us a little description about your heavyweight reign thus far and uh, you know some of your favorite matches defending the title have been. Well, starting out, I wasn't exactly a natural, you could say. <laughs> it 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 took me a little while to pick things up. So, I mean, like going from when I started to being the champion, like I came I came a long way to be able to even have like main event style matches, like let alone with like working with those guys, like you mentioned. Like Eddie Kingston, who just had uh, that match on AEW, which is great to see, mm-hmm. and uh, to be able to hang with guys that are so good, like John Silver and Alex Reynolds, it, like that means a lot to me, and I don't take it lightly. Uh, 
like it, just to have the confidence from the promotion to put to put me in that position. But just as a wrestler, that's the highest honor you could get. And but and the fact that it was where I started too, it it also means a lot. But like you know, the title at the end of the day, not not everybody can be the champion. There's 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 spots on the card that need to be filled. Like like not everybody could be a Goldberg, you know, that just goes on a 200 win winning streak, beats everybody in 30 seconds. So just just knowing that and getting that opportunity is like I don't take it lightly and and I'm I'm proud of myself, you know, just from go, going from what I started to now and, and being and it's just been a lot of fun too. Just you know, going out after and just having that camaraderie with everybody, and that—that's a big part of it too. That—that that I miss right now is just hanging out and uh, having that, having that uh, camaraderie with everybody. Which I got to do it yesterday a little bit, and it made me realize how much I missed it. Just seeing all my old friends again in the wrestling business, like oh man, all the good brothers out there. <laughs> it's, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's 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 really got to be incredible and to see your hard work kind of pay off like that. Right. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. And to go back to what we were talking about before, you know, sometimes you get so wrapped up in like, I'm going to be WWE champion. I'm, I'm going to go to AEW and I'm going to fight Moxley or all this stuff, but being able to be the champion of your home promotion, the promotion that gave you a shot has to be such an incredible feeling to be able to know that you put in so much and you were given these opportunities and you ran with it. And I mean, here you stand now, two times, reigning, defending. So when things open back up, uh, you planning on beating a fighting champion? You got anybody on the bucket list? Who do you think deserves it? Oh, man, it's tough now. Who's left, right? Like, <laughs> I don't even know. In New York, it's going to be very hard for these promotions to open back up. But like, I, don't, I don't know what the future holds. Um, I hope that it could go back to normal one day, but uh, I would, of course I would, uh, I would hold the open challenge to anybody, any, any, anybody that's left that wants a shot. <laughs> and, All right. Your it, her first <laughs> you know, what also would be cool is just working with uh, some of the young students that, that NYWC is, is uh, just, just starting out like I, like I was, and giving some of those kids a shot and and helping them now in their career like as i get a little as i get older as i kind of transition into a veteran role over there i, I would really it would be cool to start helping out the younger generation and guiding them through matches and that that would be very fulfilling right now rather than uh you know because like i said most of the people I would want to wrestle are signed right now. So, <laughs> yeah, certainly I wanted to bring that up. Not only you know whether or not Long Island and New York City wrestling is going to start up again soon. Hopefully it does. But I mean, Jesus, you see like all these important figureheads that were on the Long Island scene that are just on AEW. You know, you see MJF, Statlander, you know, the aforementioned Beaver Boys who are now in the Dark Order. It's like who's going to be yeah. left? <laughs> it's really cool to see. Yeah. It really is. Even even Max. In Queensview, New York, announced live on AEW every week is just hit you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I can't wait till if 
out the mainstream audience don't, don't don't know how good Alex Reynolds and John Silver really are. Like they if they have a match with the Young Bucks, but they'll kill it. They'll they they've had matches with them before where they killed it. But it's just a matter of them getting that opportunity to show what they could do. And I'm yeah, sure they will yeah. eventually. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's what Mr. Brody is there for, right? He brings in the people. Mm. He gives everybody a shot. There we go. He, he lifts up <laughs> Mr. everybody. Mr. Brody knows. <laughs> Mr. Brody knows. That's he he and they were one of the first recruits uh yep. that they had Evil Uno go out and get. So hopefully we'll get to see some opportunities for them soon. And now to pivot to something or rather to go back to something we spoke about before, right? As you mentioned a few minutes ago, you were already well acquainted with Philly prior to moving there, as you had been working Shakara as Rick Rollins since 2016, prior to them closing earlier in the year, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Shakara means strength in Japanese, and it was founded by Mike Quackenbush and Tom Carter, aka Reckless Youth, in the Lucha Libre tradition. It was one of the preeminent promotions in Philadelphia prior to its closing, uh, being home to countless stars such as uh, Chris Hero. Eddie Kingston, Johnny Gargano, Chuck Taylor, and more. Uh, Chris Hero, I know, is one of the first trainers over there, right? Back in, like, 2004. Yep, yep. Um, so how did, you, how did you get established within the promotion? Um, so with Chikara, it was um, – they had an open tryout where they pretty much advertised that if you come – pay this fee and do this tryout, we are guaranteeing that we are taking wrestlers for our roster kind of thing. I was like, oh, this sounds good. Like, I know Chikara is probably one of the most well-known independent wrestling promotions in the U.S. They had, like, in the early 2000s, like, that was the place to be. And like you said, that's, like, the Young Bucks were there. At one point, AJ Styles, El Generico, like, like you just could go down the list. Cesaro was big. Like, he was, uh, I think he started there. Uh, Brody Lee, too. Just Jim. Uh, Jim Jim is Orange Cassidy. <laughs> just call it by his real <laughs> name. But, <laughs> but, yeah. It's all right. We'll, we'll uh, cut it out. Fire Ant. <laughs> fire, fire Ant, yes. <laughs> but he, he's great, too, of course. But. Uh, yeah. So, so this tryout, I asked my girl, my car, my girlfriend now, Willow Nightingale. At the time, we were not together, but she was she was training at the NYWC, and I asked her, I was like, "Do you want to go do this tryout with me?" Uh, the, and so me and her drove there together, did the tryout, and um, yeah. He, so quite, I did. I, I my tryout match ended up being with Wheeler Yuta. Yuta. I don't know. You guys know he's kind of picking up steam right now. It's very good independent wrestler, beyond wrestling regular. And uh, yeah, we had a good tryout match. And uh, Chuck Taylor, Fire Ant, and uh, Drew Gulak were all on the panel there. But Drew Gulak helped me out a lot too in my career. He's as uh, just someone who gave me advice and uh, helped coach me back in uh, CZW Dojo War days too which was a little bit before this. So I kind of knew him from that. So I, I kind of got, I got vouched for by a bunch of good people. And yeah, it's a, I got an email from quack after that, that he had an idea for character for me. And he asked me if I had, he wanted it to be a tag team. And originally we were going to be with Hornswoggle, which we, we were for a short time. Like the gimmick would be the two, two big bodyguards with little Hornswoggle kind of doing the dirty work and he'd come in for the pin. After. Yeah, security detail. 
Yes. So he asked me uh, if I knew anybody who I would like to team with and travel with because he kind of said, well, it might as well be someone that you're friends with and you don't mind like uh, coming up to Philly with. So I recommended Mike Verna, who's another Brooklyn local New York guy, very talented, charismatic young man. <laughs> and I thought he would fit well with the gimmick. So, yeah, that's how it all went down. And then I had some really good times in Chikara from 2016 to now and won the Campeones de Parejas there, had a good run with the with those tag titles and just also a lot of great experience was gained from working there. And I think it, it definitely helped like up my game a lot working with those guys. Yeah, I, uh, I, I had watched one of your matches with uh, Verna against um, the Colony, Fire Ant and Silver Ant. And yeah. I think actually it was, it was interesting. I think uh, Dominic Dajakovic was on commentary, which was kind of funny. Oh, with, um, I, th that was, I think you're thinking of the MJF match. That was, that was me versus MJF. Am I thinking? Be uh, I know I had watched that match as well. I might be mixing that up. Yeah, that was the um, one Dijak was on commentary for because I, I remember I remember you're 100 so right. Yes. The, the way he <laughs> the way he uh, he commentated the finish. So I just remember cracking up hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, it was crazy the size difference. I mean, even that was a year ago, right? And MJF was certainly uh, in good shape, but like to see how much bigger he is now. But still not big enough to uh, take you on in that moment in time. So yeah. he needed. I own, he needed. I own a, a pinfall more. victory over MJF. Let's let's yeah. have that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a it, record. <laughs> you absolutely do. And and you mentioned uh, your your girlfriend Willow and you both being a member of the promotion. Did you find it? Do you or do you find it helpful to have someone that like kind of knows the ins and outs of the industry, knows the grind, and especially to be able to work in the same promotion with them? You feel that's been helpful for you. Yeah, it's definitely been very cool just to have like a travel partner like that who who is also you know my girlfriend and we live together now, and just yeah, just having that same common goal is definitely cool to work towards together. That makes definitely. sense. Um, now, as listeners may or may not know, Chikara closed down after some pretty serious allegations came out involving some of the culture uh, in the locker room. And it was part of the speaking out movement. And it's an unfortunate truth of this industry that the culture surrounding it and some of its top players engage in some pretty heavy misogyny, homophobia, racism, xenophobia, and general scummy behavior, right? Being that you've been around in the industry for over 10 years and you've worked a ton of different promotions, worked Chikara, do you have any thoughts on the movement recently? And like, what do you, what do you think could change about the culture of the industry in general? Yeah, I think it was, it's unfortunate the way it went down, the way that, like, it, it kind of just came out of nowhere, the car shutting down. Like, I was dealing with just some of, uh, just the NYWC end of things that we had to take care of due to the speaking out movement. And then I just, I just look at my phone, like, at one point, and I was like, well, the car closed down. Like, you know, like, I, that's, that's the, kind of the first I heard from it. Like, there was, we were still, we were in talks to put together content for the WWE Network. Like, that's the Action Arcade thing that we were filming was supposed to eventually end up on, on there, which is the reason why I moved out here, why I moved closer to be able to film content with them and uh, just, just to be closer and train 
and and kind of uh, just get everything together with that. So so everything was still in the works up until that day, where it just he had to I guess he had to shut it down. But it is as far as the speaking out like movement and everything, it's it, it's necessary. Like it had to happen. It's just for far too long, it's been acceptable behavior when it shouldn't be. And you know, you don't know to what extent that things really were happening around you, but it's kind of, you just, people say like, dismiss, dismiss things like that. You're like, well, that's wrestling, you know, it's the wrestling business. Like it's always been that way, which now just all this coming out, you realize that it can't be that way anymore that things need to change. And I'm glad, I'm glad that steps are being taken now to make things better or make things uh, safer for women wrestlers where they shouldn't, they shouldn't have to deal with things like that. Like if they just sign, they sign up for wrestling school and that, that they want to live their dreams and be treated fairly. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's sad that Jakara closing down, like, I don't know, like, what could have happened or to make things different, but here we are now, and I don't know what happens from here, but I just hope things change for the better. Yeah, certainly, and, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, things had to be Things had to go a scorched earth policy as they did, but you know, hopefully it's for the betterment of everything. Uh, you know, I recall a story that Kevin Nash told when he showed up in the locker room a couple of years ago, and he was surprised to see everybody in the back just playing video games and hanging out. Yeah. And it was a different culture than back in the day, certainly when he was going there and you know, he was active and everybody was drinking and partying. So you know, hopefully moving forward. You know, everybody, like exactly what you said, people should just sign up for a wrestling school and then, you know, take the experience that they need and get the work they need to get in. And they shouldn't have to deal with the general bullshit that comes with. Yeah, and it's good. I hope it seems like we're moving in the right direction. Cleaned it, cleaned it up a little bit. We got a bunch of uh, guys who probably shouldn't be involved anymore or kind of are kind of out now. And it's just, I just hope some good people didn't get caught in the crossfire of everything and where it would be just, just people wanting to take someone down for uh, personal reasons, you know what I mean? But of course, that's going to happen with anything like this. But from, for the good people in wrestling, I just hope that now we... I'll, I'll 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 consider myself a good person in wrestling, <laughs> that that we get the opportunities too that that maybe went to some people who didn't deserve them or some people that were doing the wrong things, and now hopefully it opens up the doors for the good people to kind of take over and be the ones to lead wrestling into a better place. I think that's absolutely um, a great take on it. And, you know, for every for every horrible story here, right, you hear stories about people like Sammy Guevara who 
from what it seems with people, really genuine person. And, you know, you see things come out between him and Sasha and you see that there was a dialogue between the person and, and the person that, you know, they they offended her, that they they said something messed up about her too. And you see steps taken and you see them come back. And I think that, that that's what it's all about. You know, it's not about get rid of everybody if you've ever said something wrong. It's about being able to grow as people and as an industry coming together and being able to exactly like you said, support the people that just want a shot like everyone else and just want to be able to go to a wrestling school and learn how to take some bumps and just, you know, try to make a name for themselves. And I think that overall we are going to start seeing, I'm hopeful that we'll start seeing some positive change in wrestling. Like you said, get some of the people out that probably shouldn't have been around uh, for this long and, and, give shots to the people that deserve it and stick around and everybody gets to move forward into a brighter future. And I think that that's a, a really great nuanced take. Um, you've really made a, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to see you as a heel after this, you know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're making it tough for yourself. Well, I, so, I get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, to bring it all home, right? So here we are in 2020, we got a championship belt behind us. You know, the future uncertain, uh, but we got championship gold, baby, and nobody can take that away from you it, unless unless they, they try to take it away from you. But they well, can't, and they won't. It's in it's in Philadelphia, and the promotion's in New York, so unless they come get it, <laughs> it's mine for now. <laughs> exactly. What would be your end-of-the-year goal for 2020? You know, get back into the ring, all that. What would What would make the year right with you? What are you hoping for? Uh, I just, I would just hope to get some cons consistent bookings again. Just kind of get into a main promotion that that has, uh, you know, that has a good following. Like I was hoping that place would have been Chikara for me, and things would have worked out that way, but it has not. <laughs> so. I mean, now I'm training over at the Worldwide Dojo, and uh, I just hope, yeah, I just hope to everything gets back to somewhat normalcy. A good goal would be maybe to go over to Florida and be a part of AEW taping or something like that. That would probably be like a good long-term goal, but for the short term, just get back out. Just get back out there and uh, start to build back up my name and uh, just hopefully uh, go from there. Well, I was coming to Damien. I certainly hope that, you know, we do see you in Jacksonville sometime soon. Uh -huh. You already got a lot of ready-made feuds ready to go, so. Yeah. You absolutely yeah. do. Uh, assuming, of course, that the state, uh, you know, stops being on fire <laughs> at some point. Too. Yeah. That's always there, but we'll see. Um, and so traditionally here, we have a little segment called Legend Killer, named after the incomparable Randy Orton, uh, where Ryan shows me a picture that I have to try to decipher uh, who it is and some context around it. Ryan, do you have said Legend Killer for Rex or I today? I do. Uh, Rex, I just sent it to you via Twitter. You want to just check that real quick. Damien, I'm going to send it to you right now. 
So the clue that I will give you both would be, uh, and you may recognize his face, but it was someone that we previously talked about in this episode. I'm historically terrible at this, um, so I, 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 I can't wait to be shown up again. You got it, Damien? <laughs> no fucking idea. <laughs> you don't know? Uh, I, I, I tell you what, I'll, I'll give you a couple of awful guesses, and, and we can just uh, we can just move on after that. Uh, is it Mikey Whipwreck? <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, he ever looked. He ever looked like that. He'll be the first. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've I got I got nothing. I have no idea what that is. All right, I could be wrong, but I think it's it's Piper. It's Piper, baby. Good good guess. Uh, he had a uh, he had on plaid trunks, which I had to edit out because they were a bit a little too obvious. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> a, he looks he's really young there, but you can still see it in his face. That, that smirky that's face Piper. he's got on. <laughs> Yeah, you know what, I guess, yeah, the more I look at it, uh, I can definitely, I, I can see some shit eating in that grin. Um, it, it's great, because I had the very fortunate opportunity to go to Royal Rumble 2008, and uh, him coming out, like, I still have never heard a genuine pop like that at any event, and, you know, just to hear the bagpipes blaring and him coming out is really special, so I'm glad I got to had that opportunity. Yeah. You know, something so interesting about Piper is I don't actually have any childhood memories of like watching a Piper match or and I know like his heyday of course was was before I was watching, but uh I always remember just loving him because of Piper's pit segments and I always just I loved his whole attitude and demeanor and uh I this was making the rounds not that long ago, again, uh, when he was on Bill Maher's show back in the 90s, and I think it was right after Owen Hart died, and Bill Maher's, you know, doing his doing the standard shtick that every single uh, mainstream celebrity does with wrestling. Oh, well, you know, it's fake, right? You know, it's, ha, 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 it's, it's not real, and, and don't you know that? And I remember Roddy being like, do you want to tell Owen Hart's widow that? Like, do you want me to hit you with a steel chair and tell me if it hurts in the morning? And he just, like, tore him apart for, like, five minutes while Bill Maher just, like, nervously looks at the camera like, are we, can we, we, we cut this? Can we stop this? Oh, um, I have another little Piper story <laughs> where I actually met him before that time in Pittsburgh for the uh, IWC show where I was doing extra work at WWE. And I don't know if you remember the time when Cindy Lauper hit Heath Slater with the with the record, like in a it was it was maybe like five years ago or more. Was it during kinda, his um his legend segments on the Raw leading up to Raw one thousand? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and they, they were spoofing the original one, just you know doing a callback to it. Yeah. So b before the before the show, they needed someone for her to practice breaking the record on the head on their head, so. I was just sitting in catering, and then Road Dog walks up to me. He's like, "Oh, you're you're about the same height as Heath Slater. Like, uh, I, I might need you to do a thing. Like, come with me." I'm like, "Uh, okay." And I went with them, and then it was, he brings me to Cindy Lauper, Piper, and Slater, and they're all standing there. And then he was like, "We just we just need you to stand here and let her practice breaking the record over your head." 
<laughs> Goddamn. So, I, so she, she looks at me and she's like, Hi, is this your tag team partner to, to Heat Slater? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, no, I'm just, I'm just an extra. <laughs> and so, yeah, so then she she did it once, like in the ring, like around everybody. So then I go to the back and then Triple H, I see Triple H sitting in a chair, like getting his hair done. And he looks at me, he's like, oh man, he's like, would you mind doing that maybe one more time? Like, I'm so sorry. He was, I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> And the, 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 I got a, I got a bonus from it too. Road Dog was like, "Oh, I'll see if I can get you some extra money for doing this." Like they, they were like so appreciative. Like in my head, I'm like, yeah, "I would have done it for free." You know? like, oh. <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah, man. She, she got to do it again. It was like kind of like it was like that uh, salt glass type thing. So, but then the funny thing was when she did it, she did it fine with me. And then when they did it on TV, she ended up cutting Heath Slater open <laughs> doing it. Oh, poor Heath. So it was just, just a little funny thing. Heath just can't catch a fucking break. Although, uh, I guess Heath might be catching a break soon since I guess I have to start fucking watching Impact now. <laughs> Pretty uh, Hawkins is on there too. Yeah, we got fucking uh, we got EC3 about to come back. Alex Shelley went back over with um, the Motor City Machine Guns. Uh, the Good Brothers, of course. Gallows and Anderson, who God help me, may end up back with Bullet Club one day, and oh, how my heart would sing. Oh, yeah. I, I did hear they're probably going to go do another New Japan run eventually. And and Anderson's back using the machine gun gimmick, so I'm hopeful. I really am. Um, Are you a New Japan guy at all? Uh, I was, yeah, a few years ago when, when Omega was having all those ma great matches with Okada was when I really started like, oh, I should pay more attention to this, you know, probably. Mm -hmm. And I started getting into it. I got I got a subscription to New Japan World, started watching a bunch of the shows. And yeah, right, right before I was watching up pretty much up until uh, the shutdown. And then I was I, I canceled the subscription just because they weren't really running shows anymore. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's great. It's just real high quality wrestling. You know? Absolutely. We're unabashed uh, New Japan marks here. We we pray at the yeah. altar of Inoki. Um, <laughs> The new events they've held have been pretty solid. Sengoku Lord was recent, and they ran an angle with Evil and Hiromu Takahashi for the double championship, which was an excellent match. Uh, looks like their next big match is going to be in a baseball stadium. Um, That's cool. Probably going to see Dangerous Techers get a rematch with the Golden Aces, Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi for the tag team belts. Evil and Naito might fight for the double championship, might be for the IC belt or just heavyweight championship. And it looks like um, Takahashi is going to be taking on Ishimori. So it should be a good show. I'm just glad to have him back. But even yeah. going back to the beginning, just having crowds back in any capacity and like the way New Japan's done it with they're not really making noise, they're just stomping and clapping. It's nice to see. I was just going to say that. I, I, a funny thing is I met Evil when he was uh, doing his first excursion as a young boy to, to oh. for like crappy uh, small indie events. And no shit. I met him. Yeah, it's just crazy to see like how where he is now. It's awesome. Fucking prick. Fuck That's evil. awesome. <laughs> Bastard man. Bastard well, man. Next, evil. As we uh, as we delve into our last segment, what me and Damon usually like to do is what we're listening to. But I just wanted to take you back a little bit to the grand old year of 2007, oh, uh, yeah. hanging out in Chris Samet's backyard, <laughs> purchasing a fresh 12-pack from the U.S. gas station. Uh, 
you were part of the legendary vocal metal outfit Gleevels. <laughs> yeah. Such a good now, name. Those are some good times. <laughs> local war has it that you received the name Gleevels from a magical homeless man at the sawmill Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. Is that, is that true? That is true. He he drew an album cover for us with just stick figures, and he's like, "You're the Gleebles, you're the Gleebles." He just started like yelling it, and they're like, "What?" And we're just like, "What is he talking about?" Like, I guess we are Gleebles. <laughs> that was our <laughs> band name from then on. <laughs> I love it. That's a great name. Um, it's one of the better high school names I've heard. Anyway, I mean, I fucking named my high school metal band Execute Order sixty six. So I was just a fucking Star Wars nerd. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we had we we had a little we had a little scene going back then. It was pretty cool. Oh yeah, just we the local uh, little bars and stuff we played. We were 17, 18 years old. We we drew a pretty good crowd. That the crowds that we used to draw back then would be pretty close to what an indie wrestling crowd is at some places. <laughs> you know, I recall the story where you guys played at church, and uh, mm-hmm. there was like family oh, no, members yeah. and kids sitting in the audience and they were expecting uh, you to be a metal bed <laughs> as you guys started yeah. up they like all right kids let's go to the other room. <laughs> yeah before before you mentioned that just now like i never really remember that <laughs> but, but yeah i just remember you know us being degenerates in the church parking lot too <laughs> <laughs> no but to a degree the like death metal show <laughs> did like performing like give you a sense of uh you know not having stage fright and being able to perform when it came to wrestling? I think so. Definitely. I think there's there's definitely a uh, just it's the same it's the same type of world almost just just uh like like independent comedy, independent music, independent wrestling. It's just the D the DIY attitude and just drawing your own crowds, marketing yourself. There's definitely a correlation with all that. And I think, yeah, it definitely did help me, I think, just not have any stage fright and just come out of my shell but while performing. I think definitely. Nice. Good yeah. times, brother. Very good times. Oh, yeah. But, Chris uh, Samet's backyard. Chris <laughs> Samet's backyard, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're all forged as men. <laughs> But uh, have you been delving into any recent metal or any other music recently? Yeah, I, I just, uh, the new Protest a Hero album I thought was very good. I don't know if you heard it yet. Not oh, yet, yeah. I really have to. Yeah, I, they did a real good job with it. And uh, I mean, like now, just because you have Spotify and everything, like it kind of just, I just kind of put on the mixes that they make for you shuffle it around and see what comes up kind of thing but I, it we were when we were younger like that was the glory days of of, of just the type of music that we liked, like that metalcore uh mm-hmm. deathcore i used there's not that many of them left sadly like you know like black dahlia murder will come out with some new stuff but it's kind of not the same what it used to be but uh i don't know I, I still i like august burns red like some of their new stuff i, I got into um but i miss i miss like the old school in flames the children of bodum of course arch enemy like those Ozfest shows in uh, jones beach and everything where they were just all there one in one shot yeah uh, that was awesome 
the year with the Swedish death metal stage. You know, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you heard, but Inflames re-recorded uh, Claim It. Did they? They did, it, and it sounds it sounds amazing. And you know, uh, listen, I'm not going to tell a band how to get into business for themselves, but if there's one band that's just like, well, come on, guys, like you know, I was hoping for at least a Colony 20th anniversary tour, but you know, I mean, they're doing their thing, but they still got it. So you know. Hopefully, uh, I'll we'll definitely get... check that out. But yeah, I probably love that. I love when uh, there was something else that saw. Oh, the 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 first between the buried and me album they just re-recorded. Did you hear that? Oh, really? Yes. The the very first one. It sounds awesome. It sounds so good. And, um, the track. The Born of Osiris re-recorded New Rain. Now I will. <laughs> I that is that was something that I feel like I listened to that and I listened to the old one. I was like, ooh, maybe I like the old one better. Like the performance yeah. is inarguably better, but there's something about like the original version of Bow Down that just has like a crunch uh-huh. that the new one doesn't have. Yeah. But it was yeah, nice to like that. go back to those songs and listen to those. And it's it's actually funny that you mentioned like the heyday of Deathcore and Metalcore because a band that I really liked that I think was a little bit of pariahs in that scene, but that I like delved back into recently was Bring Me the Horizon, specifically their first two albums, Count Your Blessings and Suicide Season. Um, it, of course, didn't help that Ali Sykes was uh, awful as just, just a general vibe of a person, but Count Your Blessings, I really love that old like mix of deathcore with like the Gothenburg sound. They're very much like at the gates meeting suicide silence almost in a lot of ways. Um, and in suicide season, I remember hating when it first came out, but when I listen to it now, I'm like, this is fucking heavy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find that too. Just bands when, when I was younger that we might've dismissed just because like, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't our genre, you know, or anything that you go back now. You're like, Oh, some of these guys really Not good. Bad. It's funny. You know, um, Andy, from every time I die, I got mm-hmm. to wrestle, wrestle him, and I and just like hang out at shows with him a few times, and that's pretty surreal. I I, I always tell him like you have no idea, man. Like I used to watch Headbangers Ball, drink beers with my friends, and, and see your videos, and like it's so cool to actually like meet you and stuff. And he would always get a kick out of that. <laughs> In a fucking wrestling ring of all places, right? Who would have known? Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Million Man Viewer on TNT. That's right, <laughs> baby. Bringing in the demos. <laughs> um, I we it was only like two or three episodes ago where we went on a giant Alice in Chains uh love trip, and I've been going back and listening to them again. But I'll I'll recommend a different album that's adjacent. I listened to Jerry Cantrell's second solo album, Degradation Trip which came out either it came out right before Lane Staley died. Uh, and if you're looking for something that's like Alice in Chains adjacent, but a little different, um, or if you're just looking for more of the same, even I, uh, that's a great album. Uh, he dedicated it to Lane after um, I was like leading, reading stuff about like the last years of Lane Staley's life. And I had no idea that after that third Alice in Chains album came out, the 96 album tripod, I had no idea that he like never recorded anything ever again. He had like five songs up until he died. That was kind of crazy to learn. Um, he became like a total recluse. I never really was, got into the grunge stuff. Sadly, a lot of the 
Alice in Chains and all that. It was, it was, I had a weird progression with music. I pretty much went from like pop punk to new metal to, to the metalcore death metal. Like that was my progression. You know? That sounds about right. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, I was listening to Damien. My route was like pop punk, same. And then I went to like yeah. old school 80s new wave of British heavy metal. So my everybody was listening yeah, to Ryan went backwards. Like, I sprinkled listen- that in there a little bit. Yeah. I was like, do you listen to Judas Priest? And I was like, yeah. I went through a big Maiden phase. You probably remember. I, I loved Maiden. Like that, oh, yeah. that was my inspiration when I was playing bass. I, I learned from Steve Harris, uh, just like trying to mimic him. That's the guy to, and listen, I just saw them back in August, and they still fucking rip. So I, I've, I've seen them so many times, too. Great live show. And what about you, Papa Ryan? Well, I uh, I was delving into the old uh, memory bank, and um, uh, I was reminded on Facebook that last week was the four-year anniversary of Gojira playing St. Vitus. And, I remember uh, you were always big into them, I remember. Yeah, dude, like even back in the day. <laughs> it was funny because yeah. I met Lamb of God at Gigantor in 2006. And yep. Is that that show? <laughs> yeah, one of the best memories of my life. And before mm-hmm. I left, I asked Randy, I was like, hey, man, what's a band I should be listening to? And like, right away, it's like, Gojira. He's like, don't say anything else right now, listen to Gojira. <laughs> and then uh, Mark Moore's like, hey, man, we got a new album coming out. I said, like, no, fuck that. We're going to, he's like, listen to Gojira. <laughs> but um, yeah, they played St. Vitus, and it, it was just an absolutely fucking incredible show. My ears are ringing for weeks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to have the opportunity to see a band of that magnitude play in such a small club like St. Vitus. It's great. And, you know, we have to pay attention to, you know, with, with still the world that we live in, a lot of our favorite independent music video, um, independent music halls uh, need some help. So if you see so many, uh, any fundraisers to your local favorite venue, kindly donate. And that goes for anything, too, even in the wrestling world. If you see any promotions, trying to get some help, if you can. I know it's hard. Try to uh, send some shekels their way. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'm happy to co-sign that. Go fucking turn this off and listen to From Mars to Sirius. It's the best fucking metal album <laughs> to aughts, the aughts, the early aughts. Um, all right, so to end the show here, uh, you mentioned it earlier, but Rex, this is your time. You got anything or anyone that you want to plug? Please, the floor is yours. Well, yeah, keep a lookout for the... LVAC Let's Hang Out shows. You could follow them on Twitter. Just search at LVAC and you'll see they've been advertising, announcing names for that upcoming show uh, at the Drive-In Movie Theater. That's going to be my first match back and uh, Willow Nightingale just got announced on it too. There'll be a bunch of uh, old Chikara favorites sprinkled in there as well. And um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at RexLawless1. Find me on Instagram, Rex Lawless, Facebook, and um, yeah, man. Hopefully things get back to normal soon, and we can start having some fun again with with wrestling, independent wrestling fans, like the old days. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the good old days. Well, we really appreciate you coming, taking an hour and a half of your time to be with us. Um, really appreciate all of your insight. And definitely go follow Rex. Uh, support. Got some. You got some merch. People can buy somewhere. I have a pro wrestling tees store with a few designs up there. 
yeah, just search Rexalos Pro Wrestling Tees if you want to. They have a pretty cool death metal inspired design up there for any metal fans out there. You know, I noticed that. Is that inspired off the Shadows Fall uh, uh, Kids for Breakfast shirt? Uh, I, I had someone make it for me. They, they might have took the inspiration from that. I'm not sure. But anything that could be related to Shadows Fall, like, I'll, I'll just say yes, because they were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Works for me. Well, again, we really appreciate you coming on. You're welcome back anytime. Please do not be a stranger. Make sure to go support Rex, all of your local indie feds, promotions. Uh, you know, it's a tough industry to keep yourself into, uh, to keep yourself afloat in. So support just like you want to yeah. support your local artists, you know? Yeah, check out um, in- independentwrestling.tv. A lot of my a lot of my stuff is on there and if you want to support indie wrestling that's a great way to do it it's a great service they got live streams like pretty much almost weekly of independent wrestling shows so so that if you want to support independent wrestling like that's that's the place to start they got a great like back catalog of, of like almost every like good independent promotion so independentwrestling.tv check that out Awesome. And uh, I'm sorry, you know what? One last thing I want to plug. Friends in Resistor dropped a new single, Dead Air, which you can find on Spotify. Friend of the podcast, Will Wagner, member of Friends Beers, is in that. So make sure to go support them. They dropped a music video for it, which you can find on YouTube. Nice. And uh, they just released a T-shirt. Uh, Resistor, as we mentioned before, if you like uh, the Abominable Iron Sloth, if you like Admiral Angry, if you like just angry you know you were talking how you miss some of that old school deathcore feel give them a listen rex i think you'll dig them uh make sure to make sure to go support that and so for rex for ryan and for myself this has been the most electrifying must listen to podcast in sports entertainment this has been f f c